Okay, welcome everyone. Thank you everybody for joining us tonight. I know there's a lot of uh, competition this evening, so thank you for choosing uh, this venue. So uh, the Shurim on Sirvayikra are generously sponsored by the Zakaim Mishpacha, by Dr. Zakaim Umishpachta, Le'iloi Nishmas, Rav Shomel Yezben Rav Yaakov Zakaim, and Le'iloi Nishmas Rivka Bas Tuvia Halevi, the Nisham Shav and Haliyah, the Melitze Yisharm for their whole family, Abiyas Gal Tzedek. Tonight's shir is sponsored by the Mikli family, Le'iloi Nishmas, Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, Zechariah Shimon Ben Yitzchak Hakoyin, who was a great mashpia on uh, many youth in uh, our generation, on, on large segments of Kla Yisrael, was a very powerful and influential uh, mashpia, one of the first speakers actually on TorahNeedTime.com. And on this occasion, we hope uh, we wish his family in Nechama and Neshama Shavna Aliyah B'ganeidan Tehimenu Chasai. So a very unusual topic tonight. Before that, a few public service announcements. I know well, recently you've been learning Rashi and you probably wanted to know where did Rashi live? When did Rashi live? Which city did Rashi thrive in? Where did Toysus live? Rabbeinu Tam, the Rashbam. So that's why this summer we're going to be visiting the city of Rashi. And for the first time, we're going to be visiting Rashi's kever on his yard site, Chavtes Tamaz. So for all you who come from Rashi, which you probably do, likely Rashi is your great-grandfather if you're Ashkenazi, and uh, we're going to be visiting the uh, city of Metz, where the Shagas is buried, and Paris, where Rav David Sinsheim is buried, and Ramarupt, where Rabbi Notam and the Rashbamar, and Provence, where the Rivet is, you could join us this summer. Um, the details go to the site, rabbidg.com. And another very important announcement. Because all of you listening to the share out there, or even if you're live, you think, okay, you take a computer, and you speak into the computer, and you give a share. Actually, we have nowhere to give the share. There's a very nice show that's letting us use the shul um, for the Wednesday night share but we actually need a home to be able to continue to give the shiurim, whether it's the Wednesday night shir, the morning Mishnabura shir, the Archas Chaim of the Rosh, the Dafa Shavua, all the shiurim, um, the Minyanim, and Baruch Hashem, we uh, located a property and we're closing very soon. And we only need one thing. We only need your help to make it possible. So I know a lot of you say, well, I don't live in Cedarhurst. I live wherever you live. You live in... South Africa, Australia, India, Saudi Arabia, the Philippines, Gibraltar, and uh, we have we have members of all those countries who are listening to the shurim. So this is going to be your base medrash because otherwise there's no way to uh, broadcast the shurim. Whatever you could do to help us out, we're going to be launching a campaign very soon. Um, if if you could be among the first to help us, then tavayalechem bracha. Okay. And with that, we begin tonight's share. This is going to be one of the most unusual topics we ever spoke about. If you thought last week was, you know, unusual. And if you were, by the way, if you need a Dvar Torah for Shabbos, just, you know, I'll call you later. I'll give you a Dvar Torah to say at the table. This is the Wednesday night. is not like, you know, a source of necessarily Torah for the general uh, public. You know, that's a different service. You go to the site. We have English Dvar Torah every week. You want a nice, quick Vart. 
that won't offend anybody, that won't wrangle anybody's feathers. This is not, that's not the Wednesday night share. So tonight's topic is Aristotle. Where did I come up with that? I know I was looking in a Sefer, and the beginning of Kedoshim, it tells a story about Aristotle. And I thought, hey, that would be a great topic for a Wednesday night share. So we're going to talk about Aristotle, who was born in the year 384 before the Common Era. And he died in 322, so he lived uh, 62 years. Really? So then he was alive in the times of the beginning of the second base Hamikdash. Yeah, of course he was. He lived in the times uh, a little bit after that. He lived in the times of the second base Hamikdash. He actually was a good friend of Shimon Atzadik. Shimon Atzadik. In fact, Aristotle writes about many things. This is what Shimon Atzadik taught me. Remember the story when Alexander the Great came to Yushalayim, he saw Shimon Atzadik come out to greet him. He said, I can't believe it. He's the guy I always saw in my dreams with the long, white, flowing beard. Alexander the Great saw Shimon Atzadik. And who's Alexander the Great's Rebbe? Aristotle. So Aristotle knew Shimon Atzadik. In fact, Aristotle learned many things from Shimon Atzadik. So Aristotle is one of the greatest all-time philosophers, teacher of Alexander the Great. And I'm reading to you from the Sefer Seder Hadoyris of Rabbi Chil Hapran which is a, a very um, legitimate source of Jewish history. We know the Chida even wrote footnotes on the Seder HaDoris. Now I say a legitimate source because there are many Svarim that are not legitimate sources, including Svarim that people quote from where the Chida says, nah, you know, it's like a storybook, but it's not accurate. There's, it's just legend. But the Seder HaDoris is considered an authoritative work of Jewish history, and he brings that uh, Alexa- that um, Aristotle was a student of Socrato, Socrates, and Plato. He was born in Macedonia. And he lived another 20 years after Alexander. Now, we're going to have to see that that doesn't necessarily stim with all of the stories and all of the legends. And he had many conversations with Shimon Sadik. He was very astounded by the knowledge of Shimon Sadik. And according to another uh, source of Jewish history, quoted by the Seder HaDorois, at the end of Aristotle's life, he retracted all of his opinions, and he acknowledged the truth of the Torah, and he became a Ger Tzedek. I never heard that either. But that's what's brought down in the Sefer Seder HaDorois, that Aristotle actually converted, and he became a Ger Tzedek. Who, his Bez, who the Bezdin was, which rabbis presided over that conversion, I can't tell you, but that is uh, what's recorded in the Seder HaDorois. Moreover, in the Sefer HaTapuach, he brings now, Aristotle believed, Shehoilam Kadmai. I don't want to get into his heretical beliefs, but he believed that the world always existed. He believed that God, perforce, created a world, and that world operates according to the Teva, that could never be broken. But aside from that, says the Seder HaDorois, Aristotle worked his whole life to abolish other forms of idolatry and to acknowledge um, other of the Yud Gimelikrim. Furthermore, there is a Sefer called Sefer Emuna that Aristotle never converted because he was Jewish. Not only was he Jewish, he was a Yushalmi. And he came from Shevet Binyamin. He, was, uh, he came, he popped out of some 
mountainous region in Asia. He came out of the mountains and he produced philosophy. Okay? I can't tell you. I didn't do any DNA tests on Aristotle. I can't tell you if he converted, but that's what's brought in the Seder Hadorais. And quoted in the Seder Hadorais in the bottom of the first, uh, on the right-hand column, at the end of Aristotle's life, he had great charata. He spoke to Shimon HaTzadik, and he spoke to other Chachmei Yisrael, and he retracted all of his shittais. Moreover, he sent a letter to Alexander the Great. He said, my dear Alexander, blessed is God who opens the eyes of the blind, who teaches the sinners the correct path. And he took me out of darkness and foolishness and all of my books that Aristotle wrote, many, many books, says uh, Aristotle said, I always fought with the sages, but now I see I'm a complete fool. My dear Alexander, don't read my books anymore. If I had the capacity to collect all my books and burn them, I would do that because I know that when I get upstairs, I'm going to receive terrible punishment. Therefore, do me a favor. All of my books, they're fabricated, they're false, they're based on nothing, they're based on theory, and the only true knowledge is the knowledge of the Torah. And you're probably wondering, why did I take until now to write this to you? Dear Alexander, I waited until now to write this because I knew that you might get angry at me. This way I sent it now, so by the time you get it, I'll be dead. Have a great day. Love your Rebbe, Aristotle. Now how that fits in with the first thing to say that Dara said, that Aristotle lived 20 years after Alexander. We know Alexander died at like age 38 or so. I can't reconcile all of these legends and stories. This is what's brought in the Sefer, Seder Hadoyeret, Rabbi Field Halpern. We're going to analyze tonight the view of the Gedolei Yisrael of Aristotle. What did they think of him? What was his end? A very uh, tragic ending, according to our uh, tradition. And some of the Chachma of Aristotle, discussed by Rabbi Hanan and Rabbi Rucham Lubavitch. So let's begin. The Rambam writes in a letter that the wisest man who ever lived was Aristotle. The Rambam says he reached the highest level of Chachma just under Nevuah, meaning anyone who was a Navi was greater, but someone who didn't reach prophecy. Nobody was as wise as Aristotle. So the Rambam had a very high opinion of him in terms of his Chachma. And we know the Marnevuchim speaks at length about the Chachma of Aristotle. And uh, the Rambam does not agree with uh, most of the premises, but he does agree with some. I'm not going to discuss the philosophy of Aristotle. Let me just share with you some of the things that happened to him, what his end was what the Gras said about him, what Rabbi Hanan said about him, and what Rabbi Rucham said about him. The first very interesting thing is we look in the Sefer Torah Sa'ayim. Sefer Torah is written by the Ramah, Ramah And the Ramah brings an incredible thing that Alexander the Great conquered Yushalayim. And in Yushalayim there's a great library. And this was the library of King Solomon, Shalom And who became the chief librarian? Aristotle. And all of the wisdom of Aristotle was stolen and co-opted and plagiarized from Shlomo HaMelech. That's what the 
Ramosas. So the Ramosas don't get so caught up in the great philosophy of the nations of the world. You know, people, they study Greek culture and Greek science, and they go, wow, the Greeks, they chachma v'agoyim tamen. You know why chachma v'agoyim tamen? Because they got it from us. That's what the, the Ramah says. All the wisdom of Aristotle was stolen, was plagiarized by... All the, the wisdom of Aristotle was plagiarized, and it came from Shlomo HaMelech, writes the Ramah. Rav Menachem Mishklov, a student, Talmud Mubak of the Gra, says, I was once sitting before the Gra." And the Gros said that Aristotle was a koifer, mitchila, v'yatsof, he was a heretic. Not only was a heretic, he knew God, and he rejected him. It's not that with Chachma he developed a philosophy that God is not interested in the world. He knew God created the world. He knew God runs the world, and he decided to ignore it. Say, so why did he decide to ignore it? Was he very into Taiva? Because Aristotle, we know, he went into the forest and he didn't eat and he didn't sleep and he didn't wear regular clothing and he separated from Tanuge Oilam Hazeh. But we'll, we'll see about that. Says the Gra, he was Yoidea Riboinoi Machavin Limroiba. He knew God, he knew the truth, and his intention was to rebel. Says the Gra, if Aristotle would come to my table, I would show him on this table the sun, the moon, the stars, and how they shine. And someone said, uh-huh, what are you talking about? How, what, do you, what, do you, what does that mean? And the Gros said, very easy. All the Goinim after the Zman Gemara knew Shemois, and they could take the sun and put it on their table, and take the moon and put it on their table. And I also know the Shemois. So if Aristotle was here, I would show him how the world operates and how God runs the world, and he would just, it would completely destroy all of his philosophy. But Aristotle knew all of this. You don't think Shimon HaSadik could have explained to Aristotle the truth of the universe? He was Yoidea Riboinoi Umechavein Lemroibai. So now I'm going to share with you what happened to this great Chacham. And there are three sources for the story. A very unusual story. One is Rabbi Yonis One is a Sefer Meir Senayim of Rabbi Yitzchak de Min Akko, who is a Talmud of the Ramban. And Rabbi Yitzhak de Menako has the lengthiest uh, version of the story. Let's see what Rabbi Yonis and Ivishet says. Says Rabbi Yonis and Ivishet, Who's the most powerful person in the world? The Gemara says in Yevamis. It's all in Yevamis. Dav Kuftes Vav Amabez. Ein Chazak Bechal Haaretz Keisha. The allure of an attractive woman is the most powerful force in the world. And she could seduce anyone. Even Aristotle, says Rabbi Yonasanai, who's secluded in the forests and in the jungles, and he wore cloth, and he tried to stay away from all Tanuga and Mazah, he was killed because of an Isha Yafa. And that's all Rabbi Yonasanai says. Huh? Now, the last person who I would think would discuss the story is the Bnei Yisachar. <laughs> B'nai Yisachar says that here's a wondrous skula. Anything concocted from a person's seichel is finite, is dangerous, it could end, and it could lead to disaster. You know what the proof is? Aristotle, the smartest man who ever lived, who was just beneath Nevoah, 
with all of his good character and his midois toivois and his etiquette and his politeness, you know what happened to him? He died because of a beautiful woman. The Bnei's, the Heilige Bnei Yisrael brings us. What's the story? What happened? I mean, that's you know that's a good one. That's worthy of a share. You have a mysterious lines in the in the Rebbeinus and Ibishes and about what happened to Aristotle that he went down because of the Isha Yafa, and they don't give you any details. I mean, it's wild. What's going on over here? I know there's other programming, but you must have heard that there's a good story tonight. So here's a story. This is a story of a Talmud of the Ramban, Rabbi Yitzchak de Menako. He was once in front of his Rebbe, and his Rebbe started talking about Alexander, and Alexander the Great had a beautiful wife. And Alexander the Great's Rebbe was Aristotle. And Aristotle was Mesave Teishas Alexander. And he made it in advance, and he tried, and he cajoled, and he didn't let up. And she wasn't interested. And says, so you know what? You know what? I don't understand you. You're the big Rebbe, you're the big wise man, you're the God-fearing, holy Aristotle, this is what you do? He said, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll accede. Here's the deal. You have to do one thing. Yeah, I'm asking you one favor, and then, then we have a deal. He says, what do you want? He said, on the day, I'm going to give you a certain date. I know my husband's going to be away hunting. You come, in, you come to the room, you get down on all four like a donkey, and I'm going to ride you around the room once or twice, and then, then we have a deal. He said, okay. Bracha, they shook on it. Alexander was hunting. She told him that night, you're a great teacher, you're a great ethicist, you're a great Rebbe. This is what he did to me. He made an advance on me. And we made a deal, so I want you to check out what's going to happen. So, and Aristotle comes to Asius Alexander, and um, he gets down on all four like a donkey, and she's riding on him, and in walks Alexander the Great. He says, Rebbe! I can't believe it. And he wanted to chop off his head. But he couldn't because, first of all, he needed to learn more Chachma and all of uh, Alexander's wars were, were won because of the advice of uh, Aristotle. So he, he took him, he chained him, he tortured him, he kept him alive, and that's the end of the story. Says the Talmud of the Ramban, look at the great Yerashamayim of the wisest of the Chachmei Yavan. Look how fine their character. Look how despicable they are. This is, this is their chacham. This is the father of all of their ethics. And for day after day after day, he's trying to do something inappropriate with the wife of his student. That's what the Bnei Yisachar is talking about. That's what Rav Yonis and Ibishitz is talking about. Now, that's a very interesting thing. Because here it is. The Rambam said he reached the highest level of Chachma right beneath Nevuah, right beneath prophecy. He's Chacham Mikol Adam. And look what he stooped to. So the Nei says, you see from here that Darecheretz, that's not steeped in Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, has no Kiyom. The Tzfarsi says, why does Perki always begin Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai? Because if you're a nice person and you're a good person, 
but it's not rooted in the Messiah of the Torah. It's not worth anything. It's not worth the, the price of admission. Because you could go into the forest and you cannot eat and you not drink and you can make believe you're a parish and you, you're separate from the enjoyments of this world. And inside you're Mesavi of a burning taiva like uh, any other um, Russia in the world. So that's what happened to Aristotle. And with this background... <laughs> I want to share with you the Kasha Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, who cites Aristotle. And he asks the following question. This is the basic difference between the philosophy of Aristotle and Klal Yisrael is Aristotle believed that there's a God. And what does God do? Aristotle believed the highest activity that anyone could be involved in is thought. So God was thinking, and by thinking, he created the world, and that world exists, and God's not interested in it. And the greatest thing that man could do is sit and think. What about virtue? What about chesed? What about values? That had no meaning to Aristotle. But we don't believe in that. We believe that God created the world as an act of chesed, and the greatest thing a human being could do is to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Oilam chesed yibana. And Rabbi Chanan Vasserman asks the following question. So Aristotle ended up being a Kaifa. Now, did he ultimately become a Gert Sadek? That's what the Seder Adara says. Was he Jewish? That's what the Seder Adara says. But it's irrelevant. Bottom line is, as far as we know, Aristotle did not believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world in the sense that we believe. Now, who's smarter, Aristotle or a 13-year-old Bar Mitzvah Bacha? Aristotle. There's nobody alive today who is as wise as him. And yet a kid becomes 13 years old. And the Yvonne says, Hey, kid! And this kid, what does he do all day? He's interested in sports. That's the, he's playing around. He's, and we say, Kid, put on tefillin. Okay, I'll put on tefillin. I could do that. Kid, you have to daven every day. He could do that. Learn Torah. Believe in Hashem. We believe in Hashem. How could God expect a kid to believe in Him, which is something even Aristotle was not able to believe? That means it's a very difficult thing. It's not easy to have emuna. Is it easy to have emuna Hashem? Emuna Hashem is a very difficult thing. It requires great uh, study and analysis and thought and contemplation. It's not something that somebody could easily come to. So how could it be? that the master of the universe could expect out of a bar mitzvah above or something that even the great philosophers cannot come to comprehension. If Aristotle was a kaifer, that means it's not easy to have a moon. It's not easy to have a moon. How could HaKadosh Baruch Hu expect a bar mitzvah boy to be wiser than the great philosophers of antiquity? That's the Kasha of Rebbe Chanan. Moreover, as Rebbe Chanan, we know Gentiles are expected to observe Sheva Mitzvah Benayim. Yeah, that means they have to believe in one God. So imagine you take an Akam. What does he do all day? He's in the pub. He's in the bar. He's shikr kalite, shikr kanoyach, shikr like all these guys. He's stumbling and mumbling. And Lachameh Basim Shani is going to go up to Shamayim and they're going to put him straight into the self-cleaning oven. Why? Because he didn't have emuna. So the guy says, what do you want from me? I don't have emuna. He's going to point to Aristotle. He didn't have emuna. How could you expect me to have emuna? Says Rabbi Khan, is it realistic that Hakadosh Baruch Hu expects goyim 
to observe Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noyach. I mean, there are great philosophers that could not come to this understanding. So how could the average be expected to believe in Hashem? How could the average Bar Mitzvah Bachar be expected to believe in Hashem? We know there's a rule. God is not looking to bust our chops. So how could He expect something of us that great people were not able to comprehend? So Vachanan says his uh, well-known uh, approach. Rabbi Hanan says, belief in the Creator is elementary, is obvious, is pashat. As long as you're not a blithering fool, you will come to belief in Hashem. You know why? Rabbi <laughs> says, let's say you were in a desert, and in the desert, you saw in the sand, it was written A, B, C, D. Would anyone in their right mind say that the wind came and blew it and etched those letters in the sand, would anybody say that? Would, it, would anybody, would you say that? Let's say you had a million dollars on you, and someone would say, bet a million dollars that someone wrote it, and if the wind blew it, you lose your money. Are you going to bet a million dollars that somebody etched A, B, C, and D in the sand? Yes or no? It's written, A, B, C, and D. Those are the two options. Someone wrote it, wrote it or it was the wind. Are you betting a million bucks? Let's say it said A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You're going to bet a million dollars? Yeah, you're going to do it. Of course you are. Because it's impossible for the wind to blow, blow something like that. And what's more complex, ten letters of the alphabet, or the I, or one cell, or one strand of DNA? There's more information on one strand of DNA than in all the books in the entire New York City. Than all these bookshelves and all the books in the entire New York City, there's more information on one strand of DNA. So if you would bet every last penny you had, then when there's plan and purpose, obviously there's a planner. Then you look at this world, you look at your body, and it's clear someone made it. So the fact that there's a God is obvious. So then why don't these great philosophers believe in that? Rabbi Hanan says, because there's a great principle in human nature. What's the halacha if uh, um, Yankel in, the, in left field, Yankel's a judge, and he's judging between me and Donnie over there. And before the court case, Yankel has to go put some money in the meter, and I slip him a quarter. Could he judge the case? No. Why? But we have a much bigger judgment. You think the judge is going to be swayed by one little quarter? The halacha is that he cannot judge the case. Human nature is such that once somebody gets, once somebody has a want, once you want something, you can't see the truth. Even if that want is because I gave you 25 cents. Once you're bribed, once you have shoychad, it's me'aver ene chacham. What if the judge wasn't Yankee, it was Moshe Rabbeinu? What if Moshe Rabbeinu was the judge? And I gave him a dollar. Could he judge the case? No. Nope. Why? It's a chayk. It's not a chayk. It's human nature. Because if I give you money, if I give you something, you have a reason, you have invested interest. Once you have invested interest, you can't think straight.
And therefore, the, these great philosophers, as smart as they were, the greater you are, the more of a Baal you are. You telling me a Gadol Yisrael has more inherent Yitzhahara than a regular guy? No. I'm not telling you that. Chazal are telling you that. The greater you are, the more your Yitzhahara is. So these wise philosophers, they have, were big, bigger Baalei Taiva than anybody else. And of course they knew that it's obvious there's a creator, and the creator, if he created the world, if he could create a cell, which is more complex than, than, could you write the, you know, when I was a kid they had encyclopedias. Encyclopedia Britannica, right? Could you, if you, if you could write that, then you're pretty smart. If you could program a computer, you could override the computer. So of course they believe God created the world. And they know it, but they can't accept it. Why? Because they don't want to. Why? Because they have taiva. And if you have taiva, you want to give in to the taiva. So they're no longer objective arbiters of whether there's a creator and he knows and he's able to reward and punish. They're not interested. They can't accept such a thing. What do you mean? What do they want to do? What do they want to do? What Aristotle did, that's what he wants to do. Yeah, but his whole life he lived in the forest. Of course he lived in the forest. But that doesn't negate the fact that inside of him was a burning desire for the pleasures of this world that no matter how much he tried to squelch it, at the end of the day, he didn't have the Torah to overcome it, and therefore he's not a, a valid, he's not an... So in other words, a 13-year-old boy can come to a more correct conclusion than someone whose level of wisdom is right beneath Nevoah. Which means that being a true and honest arbiter is not dependent necessarily on intellectual acumen, it's dependent on object objectivity. Rebbe deals with the, fa- the famous question of Rav Yonis and Ibishitz. Rav Yonis and Ibishitz was once asked by one of the Chachme Hagoyim. You know, it says in the Torah, Mahatois. So let's look outside, the, let's look in the world. You have a billion... Uh, you have a billion anoshim be'eretz sin, be'yesh od gamkein a billion people be'eretz toldu, and the Jews they're like uh, how many observant Jews are in the world? Six million. So we have to follow the roiv. Majority of the world are either atheists or if they have a gezora achrei rabbi mahatois. That was the kasha. Yeah, how would you answer that question? Achrei rabbi mahatois. That's what the Urim Betumim was asked. So the Urim Betumim answered, the Rabbinus and Ibishat answered, when do we follow a roiv when we don't know? You have a piece of meat, there are nine kosher, nine trade stores, one kosher store, we don't know where it came from, so you don't know, you follow the roiv. But what if the meat says gourmet glass? Or what if the meat says, you know, empire kosher? And there could be 99 trade stores in one coach. You can eat it because we know. You only follow Rav. When you don't know, when you know, you know. <laughs> so uh, Rav Yenis and Ibishitz, what do you mean follow the Rav? There's not a suffix. We don't have any doubt. We know the truth. Just the rest of the world, they may be blinded because they want to give in to their desires. However, 
Rav Hanan Vassarman said it was up to him, he would give a different answer to this question. And that is, you only follow the Rav when the Dayanim are qualified, when they don't have an invested interest. <laughs> but what if, you know, Rav Victor Miller used to say, Kemoyem Yu Oisayem. The Oivdei Avoidazara are like the Avoidazara itself. So he used to say, in Egypt, they believed in the crocodile and the asp. Asp is a vicious snake. So if that's who your God is, if your God is a crocodile that eats babies and murders, then you become murderers. Because that's what you look up to. That's your God. And if you believe in a God who was born from an av, who there was uh, from a from an aim, and where was where was the tata? No, we don't need a tata. Yeah, anyone really buys that? Anyone? Of course not. So that means you believe in a in a god that was sourced in Gilei Arayas. So then you become a Gilei Arayas. Kimoihem Yiuaisehem. Kimoihem, like the god, will be the worshippers. But Klal Yisrael, we believe in the Rebbeinu who is Anav and Rachamon and Chanun. So we become We become greater because of who we uh, worship. Says Rabbi Hanan, we're going to follow the Roiv. The Roiv, we don't. They, they're not qualified judges. What if nine judges who are not qualified pass in one way? Let's say nine uh, drunken judges say, innocent, and one wise, level-headed judge says guilty. You know, nine guys who are pulled out of the bar say, who cares what they say? It's not a numbers game. It's only a numbers game when you have people who are qualified. Says Rabbi Hanan, the only true arbiters, objective arbiters, are those who are free from the desires of this world. And Marv Rabbi this highlights the difference between the Chachmei Yuma Yisraelam and the Chachmei Yisrael. Think about the Chachmei Yisrael even in our generation. Rabbi Chaim Kenievsky, somebody who had no involvement with Soinois, the Oilam Hazer Bechlau. So someone like that is a qualified arbiter to teach us the truth. But you look at the greatest among the nations of the world. Who's the greatest? The greatest was Aristotle. And look what happened to him. Look what he stooped to. Look what, and according to many, that's how he died. And it's very interesting, because he made every attempt and every effort in the world to stay away, to live in the forest, and to put on uh, uh, shrouds, and not to eat, and not to drink. And yet, when a person's path in life is based on their own logic and their own reason, then they're dead meat. You know why? Because logic is no match for emotion. So you could know something is true, like Rabbi Yisrael Salanter would say, the greatest distance in the world is between the head and the heart. Because we know everything, but we don't act that way. Why? Because we know what's true and what's not true. But we want, and what you want will always overcome what you know. So then how do you do the right thing ever? It's a big problem, because we learn Tyra. And we know what we're supposed to do, and we know what we're not supposed to do. So how come we sometimes do what we're not supposed to do? 
The answer is because when it comes, when the Yetzirah comes, and we have Ratzoin, and we have Taiva, Taiva always overpowers Yediyah. So what do you do? The answer is, Chol Sheyerasai Kaidemet V'chachmasai V'chachmasai Mesayemet The only thing you could do is Yerah Shamayim Fear of God, because fear of God is emotion. It's uh, not just knowledge. That's why Rabbi Sol Salanter would say that the purpose of learning Musr is to be able to bring what's in your mind into your heart. Because if you're fighting the Yitzhar with your mind, you are dead meat. You don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. What's that? What? Remind me. Oh, very good. So that's the idea of uh, the difference between the Chachma of Aristotle and the Chachma of Tarasenu HaKadoshah. And ultimately the Torah tells us, Kedoshim to you. And the wisdom of the Torah always has to be bolstered by genuine Yerushamayim. But Chachma alone will never allow a person, will never help a person to fight against the Yitzhahara. And uh, if these legends are true, that Aristotle changed his mind, then in Kabbalah he, Nekabel. But that's not really uh, important. As uh, Rebbe Chanan Vasserman would say, that Avraham Avinu came to the city of the Plishtim, and he saw museums, and he saw orchestras, and he saw culture, and he saw art, and what did Avram Avinu say? I'm getting out, out of here. Why? Haraguni al davarishti. They're going to murder me to commit adultery. Why? But they're so cultured. They're so artistic. They're so much uh, have so much etiquette in this city. But what did Avram Avinu say? Rak ki ein yiras elokim There's just no fear of God. There's no fear of God then they could stoop to the level of a donkey and get down on all four and be ready to commit the lowest act. Rabbi Chanan Wasserman came to Germany in the 30s. And he said, look at this, look at this country, look at this, these cities. We see culture, and we see music, and we see art. And Rabbi Chanan said, watch out. There's no fear of God over here. And uh, that's, what, that's what we learn from the fate of Aristobulus, HaPhilosoph. But of course, the Chachme Yisrael, the true Chachme Yisrael, their Yerasai Kaidemes L'Chachmasai, and their Oid Yenuvan Beseva, that had, throughout their lives, their Kadosh, the Tahar, the Naki, and uh, this is who we admire, um, Thank you very much. Have a wonderful evening.